0: This is the Love Your Team podcast, where we discuss strategies for sales managers like you and me to retain our top talent and build strong teams that consistently outperform. I'm your host, Helen Finucci. I've been leading and managing teams for over 25 years. And for most of the time, my teams have been hybrid, you know, a combination of office and remote. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I'm joined today by my special guest, Angela Cooper, General Manager of Customer Success at Microsoft U.S. in the Western Region. Angela leads a team of 250 customer success professionals and has been at Microsoft for 19 years doing a variety of sales and corporate strategy roles. Welcome, Angela. I am so thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you for having me, Helen. Nice to see you. (laughs) Nice to see you too. You know, I was trying to think about when I first met you, and I think it was about 10 years ago, something like that, but I can't really pinpoint it. Yeah, I can't remember either, but I think we really bonded when we met at
1: the conference that we went to. There was, there was a sales conference. I remember us sitting there. I think we were waiting for a, a, a plane or something like that. Yeah, sure and I think,
0: yeah. I think alcohol was involved. Maybe. <laughs> Might have been, yes. Very very likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was really fun. Yeah. So congratulations on your relatively new job. So for two confessions here, I worked for Angela a couple of years ago as a a sales manager for strategic accounts, really the same role I'm doing now, but I was reporting to Angela at that time. And now you're leading a team of customer success folks. Most professionals, most managers actually inherit teams rather than build teams from scratch. And you have an enormous team or what I think is enormous of 250 people. So how do you introduce yourself how do you think about building strong team cultures? Um, and does it start from the start or how do you do that?
1: Yeah, so it, it's a really interesting question. And I've, I've had to take over a few teams over the years. So I've learned a few lessons, I think. First of all, to be humble and introduce yourself is one thing, but you have also gotta let people listen. I can't tell you how many times I've been on calls where if someone's introduced themselves and then it's like, oh my God, they're all about that person. Right, you've got to be welcoming. Ask people about them as well as that. Obviously, just sharing who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a slide I use to introduce myself. It's not yes. There's some credentials, but also a little bit about my family and my who I am as a person, and that I have a very fluffy cat. Silly things like that that just let people know a little bit more about me. And the other thing I do is I share a weekly email with my team, and it's a way of them getting to know me, what I'm thinking about, what things are going on in my life and frankly with work as well. And I find that creates an open channel so that when I do a one-to-one with somebody, I don't spend all the whole time talking about myself. I can just focus on the individuals, whether that's a manager who's working for me or an individual contributor. It actually clears up so much time on those one-to-ones that it's really impactful you got to share who you are. you got to share that you're willing to learn and listen. I think that makes a huge difference when you're taking over a big team.
0: Yeah. So being humble, listening. And when we think about building a strong team culture, Mm -hmm. what do you look for? How do you know if you have a strong team culture or not? We talk about the word culture or strong team. Yeah but what does that mean to you? And for those that are listening, how would they know if they had a strong team culture or not?
1: That's such a great question. I'm not sure I have the full answer to that. But darn. I, darn. <laughs> I, good culture for me is that you have great people who like each other, by the way, and are happy working as a team and have some fun together. So I don't know that every leader has the fun element in there. For me, it's super important that I think we can have some fun together. Maybe it's because I've had, I've been at startups, I've been at the acquisitions, they're stressful. Like when you're going through change in an organization, life's too short for it to be all about the stress. And so I've definitely adopted a more fun approach, I think, than maybe most people do.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. I can attest to that. So I was wondering if you'd talk about fun, because when I think about you, I think about you. You're not afraid to do things that might embarrass other people. I'd be embarrassed. I couldn't do it. But you have this confidence and this zaniness about you. thing that I remember is the interpretive dance that you did for a talent show. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm embarrassed for her. But she's not embarrassed. So it's all all good.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm not very talented. But I think that's sometimes helpful.
0: (laughs) But you're so unapologetic about it. yeah,
1: it's great if, if i was good at these things then it wouldn't be as fun right but the fact that i'm not very good at interpretive dance no one hopefully listening will be surprised by that i'm also not very good at singing but i will still sing a song that i if it's funny i'll do it basically and i'm not afraid of that and it took me a long time to confident enough to do that in a work environment because I guess growing up in the industry especially in high tech right especially as a woman right there are certain expectations of you to be very professional to you know maybe be very serious and I think I was lucky that I had leaders in the past that actually helped me show that when I did something fun it was Well received. And so I grew in confidence in those things. I still really enjoy doing silly things for the team. And I think they, they were a little shocked. Some of them don't know how to deal with it (laughs) sometimes, but also, and I don't want it to be all about me, but I think sometimes a leader embarrassing themselves so that the team smile is for me, acceptable, and I hope is enjoyable for some of the team.
0: No, I think it's it's actually really a great strategy if you can get away with it, so to speak, and feel confident doing it. For me, I try to be very human and open and kind of talk about what's really going on and have authentic relationships with my team. And I think that that's absolutely possible during COVID to do that. But have you noticed any difference, COVID, not COVID, in terms of your approach and building a team and building a culture? Yeah, it's interesting. For those of us who have been in sales a long time, many
1: of the listeners, I hope, are in the same position, none of us would have believed we could build relationships. We've always been in front of customers. That was always something we were trained to believe, right? That you, that face-to-face time was so important. I think that's somewhat true still, but we've managed to do this through the global pandemic. And I think building those relationships with individuals has been interesting. I've hired so many people into the team during COVID that I've never met. Sure. And if you ask me, do I have a good relationship with those people? Yeah. And and a lot of it is actually more personal sometimes when you catch them at home on a video call and something's going on in the background, or you see the pictures behind them, or the pets come in, or the kids come in, like, actually, people are in your home. And I think that does create a little more connection in some cases.
0: Yeah, for sure. I can see that. And also, I think with the variation of circumstances that people are in, that's something that's really important to be aware of. I have a team member in India and there was a time when they were in lockdown and a team member in Israel and then of course different parts of the U.S. are handling COVID quite differently. So having that kind of empathy and connection point.
1: Yeah very it's so true and I think knowing and, ask, and asking people being curious about what's going on and then we're sitting here today there's conflict going on in the world that it's very troubling and We've got team members in our organization from Russia and from the Ukraine or with friends and families there. And that there's a lot of things going on for these people. And just being able to reach out and say, hey, what's happening? Are you okay? Is your family safe? How are things going for you? It seems like the new normal. I think before the pandemic, those things were quite often hidden and and we didn't feel comfortable even reaching out and saying, look, I have no idea what you're going through right now. But can I help? Is there something going on? And I think that's changed a little bit. And frankly, with our customers as well, like it's, it's got a little more, we're willing to try these things and maybe ask questions that we were afraid to ask before. Sometimes it's taught us a lot about being vulnerable is okay. I'm getting on a call in the first part of COVID and saying, I'm struggling with this. This is hard for me. I used to go to the office or I used to be with people all day. And now I'm sitting on my own at home for most of the day, for eight hours, that was hard for me. We shared that with the team, and they were like, "Oh, gosh, yeah, it's hard for me too." And it was okay to say that. We, we sort of use the "it's okay to not be okay." Thing, oh, yeah, you know, right, which, right, right. Which I think has changed a lot of the discussions and the level of discussions in in the workplace in the last two years, for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's you talk about customers, and our customers are going through the same thing as well, and we sometimes. Forget that because sometimes it's all about what's going on in our immediate family or company that we work for, but we're all in this together. Talk about culture, and some people might think that that is soft or not business oriented. So, what would you say about that? How does culture help with business or? what do you think about that? Because you and I have lived through vastly different cultures at Microsoft over the years. And how do you connect it to business? Yeah, you're right. We have lived different cultures (laughs) at Microsoft.
1: And we're very, very blessed right now to be, I think, at at the peak of that, what I'll call cultural revolution at the company. And look, we were never a terrible company to work for or anything, but certainly things have got better. And I think it just makes you more connected with what's going on. I think it makes you prouder to work for the company. And that's got a lot to do with the leadership as well as as well as well the individuals. But on a team, if the culture's good, you become a destination and people don't want to leave. But I think what it really comes down to is we know all of our people in high tech are getting phone calls or approaches in emails and LinkedIn, whatever, probably once a week right? If you've you've got good credentials, if you're good at what you do, you're working for one of the biggest companies, most successful companies on the planet, whether that's us or Amazon or Google or Facebook or any of those companies, you're going to get approached. And the question is, do you take the call? Mm. And in that moment, I think culture trumps pretty much anything else. And we used to say people leave managers, not companies and things like that. And that's culture. Right. Um, and if you've got culture at the top, you've also got to have it at the bottom as well. It can't just be Satya who's great at culture. It has to be throughout the company. But I think it's those things that make a difference between people taking those calls, having those conversations. And it's, I think, more so now. In this great resignation I'm hearing about, like, right. You know, I think there's an opportunity for people to really make a choice for themselves. Mm-hmm. And people have really got choices right now. So culture is what will keep people at a company. And we know that when people stay with a customer for a long time, or they stay in a team for a long time, the customer satisfaction goes up. The revenue goes up from those customers. It's definitely a proven thing. We, we have incentives to try and keep people on accounts, right? Especially in the strategic sure, account right. world that, we, you, that you and I were living in and you are still living in. And they make a big difference but that compensation means nothing if the culture's bad. Um, Now,
0: if the culture's good,
1: compensation still matters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, interesting, because a lot of people think about the flexibility of working from home or hybrid Mm -hmm. work, and there's data that says that people will take 30% less salary to have the ability (sighs) to work from anywhere or have flexible work hours. But what I hear you saying is culture is more than just the flexibility. It's also kind of the environment. And I think for me, really getting to know what matters to my team at an individual level, whether it's career growth and ambition or needing certain flexible hours because they might have a child that they need to drop off at school at 8am so I don't schedule a team meeting then so I think that really trying to spend the time to get to know the team can be a differentiator and then the getting to know is then okay well how can I support them how can I help them on their terms. And I think you do that really, really well as well. Having it worked for you, you definitely, you lead with trying to seek to understand is how I would say it. Oh, that's, that's,
1: it's good to hear. I'm glad. No, really. Glad it's, but I do think it's like, if you care about people, then that comes fairly natural. I think trying to fake that is really hard. If you're trying, if you're, and there are managers, I think, he would rather not be people managers. That's occasionally the case. I think at Microsoft that just doesn't work. Right? If you want, mm. if you don't want to be a people manager, you should never be a people manager in our company and our culture right. because it does require you to really care about the team right. and put yourself in their shoes. And there's a lot of things that hit us that we are the custodians of culture as leaders and managers. That is our job. Um, I think when you get that right, lots of really really exciting things happen and you get a lot of loyalty not just for the team you're in but for the company and that shows up for the customer. Um, So I think it's table stakes now. I don't Mm -hmm. think companies that have bad cultures can survive in this competitive environment. I think it's a really big issue if if that's not the case.
0: So what if one of the Listeners is a manager that really wants to build a strong team culture, but maybe finds themselves in a company where the culture isn't as healthy or satisfying as they might like. What would you recommend that person do?
1: Oh, that's such a difficult question because part of me thinks, well, the question is how bad is it? If you can tolerate it and and that culture, if you can protect your team from maybe the rest of the culture. Um, and create a little bubble of culture within your organization, Mm -hmm. then do that. Don't be afraid to take things into your own hands because your reputation as a manager, whether it's in that company or another company, those people will know what that is. But if it's really bad, you might want to think about leaving and finding a culture that makes you, enables you to be the leader that you want to be. Um, And that's, it's difficult to say that because there have been times at Microsoft where I have found myself in, Teams where the culture above me was not as strong as I would have liked. Okay, but I've always tried to create little bubbles of culture that we could that to cling on to in those times, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I'm still here. So obviously, I managed to find a way.
0: <laughs> yes, you've navigated. I was listening to Natalie Thompson's podcast off her tree, mm-hmm. where you are a guest, and you talked about. Here's my interpretation, but please correct me that. You are now able to bring your whole self to work and you, I think, equated it with now working for a woman for the first time in your career. Why did it take working for a woman for that to click for you?
1: Is it because Kate is a woman that I feel like that? Or is it just because Kate is a great leader? There might be be both of those things there. My boss, Katie Brown, is absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, certainly... She's an amazing leader and she prioritizes culture. That is absolutely her number one job. And maybe because I've always prioritized culture, that enables me to do that. I think quite often some people, some of my previous leaders might say to me, why are you focusing so much on the people? You need to flip that around. It should be business first, people second. And I'm a people first leader. Like I, I genuinely believe if you, Get the people thing right, the business follows. Um, and I think maybe it's that cultural fit. But honestly, as well, I think so much in my career, I've worked, I've always worked for men until I've worked for Katie, which is yeah, really interesting. I've had some amazing male sponsors and mentors, and I've learned so much from them. But there's always those male traits. I think that not just men think of as sort of business professional but women think of them as well it's it's you know a norm to be strong or succinct or tough or not lead with emotion and all those other things that I think we we ascribe sometimes to that male culture but it's it, not all male traits it's just that there's a little it's a little easier because we've all grown up with male leadership in our lives whether that was you know a, a president or a, a a strong father figure or something like that, Right? there's always that in that in our culture. So so yeah, I think there's a part of this that is finally I'm working for a female leader. And by the way, there's so many strong female leaders at Microsoft, I don't know how it's taken me this long, but <laughs> it's, it, I definitely feel like I can maybe be a little more emotional than I would be hiding, I would be covering for in maybe other roles um, that I've had or that Katie really sees me and she does. She She is someone who she will be the first person to pick the phone up on me and say, hey, I can see that this is tough for you, or I Or I can see that you really care about this. I know how much you're leaning into this. And that being seen like that for who I really am is, is just, it, it's transformational in terms of my confidence. And let's face it, there have been times I've struggled with confidence in my career um, never never doing interpretive dance of course that was always um, (laughs) that was always something that (laughs) honestly the worse it was the funnier it would be right so yeah uh, but confidence can be a crippling factor for people if if there's someone in the team who's going through a tough time and they're lacking in confidence that's going to show up in performance it's going to show up in the way that they you know believe in the customer's deal or the, whatever's going on, it's going to show up. So having that, having someone who I think has my back, not just as a, a manager, but also someone who gets when I'm maybe going through a little confidence crisis and Hey, I just took a new role. Right. That's a great trigger for lack of confidence. Right? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing, but she's got my back and she's like, I know you can do this. So
0: do it. That's amazing. And you have such an amazing track record of business results and performance, as does Katie. And so to have that kind of support and confidence building boss like that, that can make all the difference in the world. So, again, coming back to our listeners, go, okay, well, that's great. So, we talked about you introduce yourself, you're vulnerable you, I think, make yourself accessible, and I believe that you really aim to connect with the individuals on the team. So those are key qualities, I think, in terms of really having people feel that they belong or understood. You know, Katie does that for you, but I also see you doing that for other people. And so those, I think, are at least some of the ingredients for building a culture, Are there other things that I might have? I'm just kind of taking bits and pieces from the conversation.
1: I've never heard it back to me like that before. That's a good list of things to get right. I think, look, it's it's just one of those areas. I lean into my values when I do this. Mm. So I don't know if anyone has done this. Uh, Listeners, I highly recommend if you want to do this. um, There's an exercise Brene Brown has in her Dare to Lead program which is a a list of values. And then the the, the exercise is you print out the piece of paper, sure, an actual piece of paper in today's world. Amazing. yeah, And try and circle the values that things that resonate with you and then cross them out until you kind of get down to two that are really the things that are your core values. And for me, one of those is connected, being connected. So I'm leaning into my values to get to that culture. It's not an unnatural act. And I think sort of figuring that out and and who you are, because I don't think everyone can lead the way I lead. I I know that there are amazing leaders out there who, you know, just won't do interpretive dance, for example. (laughs) I see (laughs) one of (laughs) them. But but it's um, I think knowing who you are as a leader and why things are important to you. Not necessarily sitting on the couch, why, right? Like not yeah, I get you. But having that, okay, this makes sense. There's a reason I'm leaning into this. And it is who I am. And being and leading in that way authentically can right. be really powerful. And I would hate for anyone listening to this to think, oh my god, to go learn then to sing or interpretive parts to be a great leader. You don't, but knowing who you are as a leader. And then being able to apply that to a team environment, I think can be, can be really powerful.
0: Wow. That's really well said. <laughs> We're going to leave this episode here and be sure to find us at loveyourteampodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And Angela's is going to be joining us on our next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining us for the Love Your Team podcast. Please subscribe and review us in all your favorite podcast venues. Share this show with your own team. If you have topics or guests to suggest, please let us know. Love your team at funnelradio.com.